Good evening. evening. Are you ready to get from the Lord what he has for you tonight? Well, I'm so glad when God confirms the word as I was praying today and praying, preparing this message. That was my prayer that the bonds and the bondage would be broken. And so I'm glad that the spirit of God is here tonight to do that, to set free, to break some chains tonight. So as we dive into the word, I want you to get ready. Would you grab your Bibles and stand to your feet, please? We're going to go before the Lord and make our declaration of faith and trust that we'll receive from Him everything He has for us. Would you repeat these words after me? Say, Father in heaven, heaven. thank you for this word. word. It is the absolute truth, truth. and I believe it. It It is your personal love letter to me, me. and I receive it. it. It's the answer to my questions questions. and the answer to the world's issues. issues. Lord, Lord, tonight. My ears are ready to hear your word. My My heart is ready to receive your word. word. And I, by faith, faith, am ready to be be a doer of the word, word. no matter what comes my way, way. in Jesus' name. name. Now, Father, I pray as we approach your word tonight that we would receive everything that you have for us to receive, Father. As we open up the pages of this living book, That they would come off the page and touch our heart, O God. You know where each and every one of us is tonight. And I pray that your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, would pierce our hearts tonight and touch us right where we need to be. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let me say only what you would have me say. Let me do only what you would have me do. We ask these things tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior and soon coming King... Jesus and all who agree said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat and slap a high five to your neighbor if you don't mind. Don't slap your neighbor, slap a high five. Always have to be cautious the way you say that. Well, before we get into the word and what the Lord has for us this evening, I want to bring you up to speed. Let's do this. Why don't you open up your Bible to the book of Romans? And we're going to begin this evening in chapter 5. I'm going to bring you up to speed. Over the past several weeks in our youth group, where's our youth group at tonight? Shout at me. Good. They're all here. Representing. Good. Thank you. B2L is here. Um, Over the past several weeks in our youth, we have been in a series called What Does It Mean to Be Saved? And I really had this impressed on my heart as we closed out the year last year that Sometimes when we are born again and we're saved for a long time, we can easily forget what God has done for us. What God has redeemed us from, redeemed us into. And sometimes as a new Christian, we just don't know the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, that God has provided for us. And so we began this journey in the book of Romans chapter 5. And uh, in Romans 5... What we learn, and if you're in Romans 5, I'd like you to go to verse 18. We're going to read verse 18 and 19. Romans 5, verses 18 and 19. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam. Everyone say Adam. Many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, say Jesus, many will be made righteous. And so we took a look at Romans chapter 5 to discover that Jesus took our place. 
And as you approach Christianity, this may be basic, this may be simple, but the very first thing that we have to realize is that Jesus took our place. He took our place in what? In this payment of sin, in this debt that we could not pay. Because when Adam sinned, he brought a debt onto all mankind. And that debt is not just like a financial debt that you and I might be in. That is a big debt. And the result and the payment for that debt is death. And so when you come to Christ, the very first thing you have to realize is that Jesus took your place in death. He took the sin that you and I committed, our debt, upon himself. Now let me say it like this. How many of you remember your first credit card? How many of you were wiser than me with your first credit card? Yeah, John right there. Yeah, Okay, good, good. Not a whole lot of hands went up though. Remember that first credit card? I remember when I was 18, I was so excited, you know? Credit card is like free money. Unfortunately, that's what they teach college kids. Credit card is not free money. And sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And it's like this, you know, I didn't do this, but you do get caught up in a whole bunch of debt. You can't pay the bills. The late fees come. You're accruing interest. All of a sudden, you're in debt up to your eyeballs, and you can't even make the minimal monthly payment. Well, what God did for us, and this is just a small idea, but it's like the credit card company calling you up, saying, listen, we have found somebody who is not only willing, but somebody who is really desiring to pay off all your debt for free, and it's going to cost you nothing. Now, that's just here financially. That's just, but that's, that is what happened in the spiritual It's like God called us up when he sent Jesus Christ and he said, listen, I know you racked up this debt. I know it's a result of your sin, Adam's sin, which brought disobedience upon all of mankind. I know that you got yourself into that mess, but I want to go ahead and pay that for you. So when we come to Christ, the very first thing we ought to and we have to realize is that we're in a whole bunch of mess. This sin is a big debt that we cannot pay. There's nothing that we can do to get out of it. And in one sense, that's good, because all we have to do is reach up and accept what the Bible calls here the free gift of salvation. So the first thing we take a look at in Romans chapter 5 is that Jesus took our place and paid our debt. The second thing that we see here in Romans chapter 6, and this is just review for our youth. I know we've been through this past couple weeks. In Romans chapter 6, we learn that when we come to Christ, I love it. If you meditate in Romans 6, when you come to Christ... The sinful you dies and is no longer. So when you put on Christ and you become a Christian, you don't have to keep calling yourself a sinner. Because when you come to Christ, the sinful you dies, Romans 6 tells us. And there's a new spirit, a new creature birthed on the inside. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when we come to Christ, and if we're in Christ, the old things have passed away, and everything is brand new. Now, this may be a review. You might be sitting there saying, okay, I get it, I get it. But sometimes we forget these things. Jesus took our place and paid our debt greater than any financial debt any human has ever been in. He paid our debt. Not only that, but when we come to him and we become Christians, the sinful you dies and a new person lives on the inside. And now the power of sin is broken over our lives. But we've got to look in the mirror and say, if the power of sin is broken in our lives, why are so many Christians Christians struggling in sin? 
Why are so many Christians struggling in secret, quiet, backdoor, closed door sins? I think it's because of right here. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon. That means consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'd like to say it like this. How many of you have ever driven a clunker? And I've driven a clunker, so I can say that. Okay. It's like you've been driving around the clunker for a long time. You're just dreaming about that new car you're going to get. And you're praying. And one day you get that brand new car. And you love that car. You're driving around in the new car. But you still think you're in the old clunker. You still stop just as early because you're hoping the brakes are going to work. And you got this brand new vehicle. You're still seeing yourself in the old clunker instead of seeing yourself in the brandy new vehicle that you have been given. And that's the way that we are spiritually sometimes. We put on Christ. We receive the Lord Jesus. But in our mind, we still see ourselves driving the old, beat up, busted up, broken down vehicle. We got a new vehicle that we've been given. So this is what I say. Get the vehicle towed out of the driveway. Get the clunker towed out of the driveway and start enjoying the new one. Okay, start seeing yourself in that new vehicle. Are you following me? Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. Now, this is just review. Let's get to what God has for us tonight. Romans chapter 7. So Romans 5, we see that Jesus took our place. Romans 6, we see that the power of sin is broken in our lives. Romans chapter 7. Verse 1, Paul writes, Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound to the law as long as her husband lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law and her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will excuse me, be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Verse 4, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may, be, you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should be, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said you shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found it to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just and good. Now, I went through all this tonight because I want to share some things with you. What is this law? Because what we're going to talk about tonight, another great thing that Jesus has done for us. Not only has he been our substitute taken our debt upon himself. Not only has he broken the power of sin in our life, but we're going to discover tonight that Jesus has delivered us from the law. Now, what is the law and why would we want to be delivered from it? 
Well, we just read that the law is from God. The law is good, the law is right, and the law is just. The law is God's standard for righteousness. That's what God uses as his measure, as his standard for righteousness. But something pretty amazing happened, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Now, the law would be good as long as you and I can fulfill it, right? As long as you and I can keep it, the law works all day long. But I kind of think of the law like this. I kind of think of, how many have ever been on a diet? Okay. Let's just walk this out for a minute. Now, everyone knows diets are no good. It's a change your lifestyle, change your weight. We've got that on your cake. But it, 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 diets, I, I like to think about it like this. You start this diet, you're on this diet, and, and you know, you, you're, you're in the lunchroom, you're at work, and all of a sudden you get this whiff of something that comes by. It's chocolate. You haven't seen, heard, tasted, smelled chocolate in a long time. And all of a sudden your nose is following. Where is this chocolate coming from? So you sit down at the lunch table, you got your lettuce sandwich and your snack of celery. And you're at the lunch table and you realize that somebody has brought a chocolate cake, not just for them, but they have brought it to share. And now you know the culprit. The chocolate cake is sitting there right in front of you. And you know what? You got all the willpower in the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this. I'm going to beat this. I'm stronger. You're talking to the chocolate. You're sitting there eating your lettuce sandwich, chewing on your celery sticks, talking to that chocolate. I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not even going to enjoy that. I'm not even going to enjoy that smell. I'm not even going to enjoy that smell. And what happens? We might beat it that day, but what happens? We end up caving in and indulging and making it even worse for ourselves, don't we? You follow me? You understand what I'm, where I'm going here? Well, I want you to see something. Follow me over to the book of Galatians. The problem with the law, and there's not really a problem with the law because the law is God-given. We just read it's just, it's righteous, it's good. Galatians chapter 3. The problem with the law is not a problem with the law at all. In fact, it's a problem with us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Are you there? Shout at me, say, I got it if you're there. We're going to read verse 10 of Galatians chapter 3. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now listen, we got to park here and take a little bit of time and understand what God has done for us. Because what we're about to read and where we're about to go is going to explode on the inside of us. Some of us who have been bound up. Trying to live under the law for too long. The scripture tells us right here that if we don't keep just one part of the law, we have broken all the law. And we're deserving of death. We're deserving of the payment, the punishment, which is death. If we break just one part of the law. And so that's where we stand outside of Christ. So what I want you to know tonight is that when you come to Christ... Not only is it good that he took your debt. Not only can you rejoice that he took your debt and paid your debt. Not only can you rejoice that the power of sin has been broken over your life. But as a Christian, you can rejoice and you can be empowered. Have right standing before God knowing that Jesus has fulfilled the law for you and for me. The law is good. The law is God's standard for righteousness, but you and I know we cannot keep it. And when we break one part, we've broken the whole thing. Go back now with me to Romans, because here's what I want to show you. Romans chapter 8. 
This is where it all starts to make sense. Romans chapter 8. You with me so far? Okay, so everyone say the law is good. good. All right, let's understand now what's going on. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. If you're there, shout at me. Say, I got it. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. There's the problem. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Watch this now. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? In us. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, listen, this we got to let this thing jump out at us because we got to begin to understand what it is that God has done for us. See, God's standard for righteousness is this law that he has given. But man couldn't keep the law. We know they couldn't do it two, three, four thousand years ago. We can't do it now. God's heart is so towards his creation of mankind that he sent Jesus not just to take the debt and the payment of sin upon himself, not just to break the power of sin, but to free you from the law, which is his righteous requirement. So when he looks at us as a Christian, he sees us covered in the blood with the law fulfilled. That puts us in right standing with with God, so that we, oh, oh, I don't want to get on myself. That puts us in right standing. Being freed and delivered from the law puts us back in right standing with God. Sometimes, you know, we can just, as Christians, get stuck up on the cross. What you did for me there, what you did for me there. And we need to remember what he did for us there. And we need to remember that the power of sin is broken in our lives. But we also need to remember that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. And guess what? He did it for us. He did it for us. You see, if you don't receive anything else tonight, what God wants you to know more than anything is he has gone to every nth degree to communicate his love to us. He has gone to every nth degree, every possible area he could go. He has shown us his love. By sending us his son. And that is good. So if God, through Jesus, has delivered us from the law, what does God require of us today? Because, you know, we're going to talk about this in a couple of minutes. None of us, unless you're Hebrew, unless you grew up in Jewish culture in this room, none of us grew up under the Levitical law. None of us grew up under the Mosaic law. So what happens to us as Christians? As Christians, we're privy to some great information, the full Bible, And God wants us to learn. But as Christians, sometimes we go back. And we're supposed to go back. But we go back. And what we begin to do is we begin to put the law in the Old Testament. And we begin to apply that now to our lives. And hold that over our head as if that is what God is expecting of us. Now follow me for a second. It's not that that's not what God is expecting of us. It's that he has already fulfilled that in us through Jesus. We just read that Jesus fulfilled that righteous requirement in us. So when we hold that law over our heads, we're putting ourselves back under the law. And Paul talks about this time and again through the New Testament. You ran well. Who hindered you from running? Why are you going back? Why do you think you're going to be justified by works of the flesh? You can't be justified, but Jesus has already done it. Would you agree with me sometimes it's, it's much easier to remain under the law, to know what's expected of you, and to try to get it done? 
We keep ourselves there because it's a lot easier sometimes than just to receive and accept what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So let's talk about what God requires of us today. Follow me over to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter quotes something from the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. 1 Peter 1, we're going to go to verse 15. If you're there, shout out and me, say, I got it. All right, here we go. Now, Peter's writing, and he's talking about living in a way that pleases the Lord. But as he, who is God, who called you, is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Now, let me ask you something. Is God now putting us back under the law and saying, you need to be holy, and you need to do what is right, and you need to follow this, this, and this, and this, and this to be holy. Is God now, having fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law through Jesus, putting us back under the law? No, I don't believe that he is. Let's read it again, verse 16. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Let me ask you something. When you put on Jesus and you become a Christian, who comes to dwell on the inside of you? Holy Spirit. And whose Holy Spirit is that? God's Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will come and dwell with you and in you, and my Father will dwell in you and with you. That's God's Spirit. God wouldn't require something of us that he hasn't empowered us to do. So when God says, be holy, for I am holy, it's like he's saying, be be holy, for I, who am in you, am holy, and I am empowering you through grace. God's grace is the empowerment to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Pastor Ray was talking about this on Sunday. You don't have to focus on don't do, don't do, don't do. If you just focus on doing and loving the Lord, if you just focus on what's right, you don't have to worry about don't do. Again, the scripture, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is that some burden, some task that God is now putting us back under the law? No. Walk in the spirit. The spirit which is in you. The Bible teaches us that God gives us more and more grace, the amplified verse says, to meet every evil tendency within us. We need to stop, stop striving and start accepting what God has done for us through Jesus. And through grace, we are empowered to walk in the Spirit. Jesus again says in Matthew 5, uh, John 14 and 15. uh, Actually, this is an important one. I want to take you back over here. John 14, please. John 14, verse 15 so it's a popular verse. Many of you will probably know it. Jesus says, if you love me, keep... Now, I'm reading from New King James. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, somebody else, who has King James in the room? Okay, just, just read it right at me. What does it say? Is it the same exact thing? King James, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, there's no other conditional word there. There's nothing else. How about NIV? Anyone got anything else? Does anyone say this? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Who's got that? Amplified. Amplified. Okay. Now, 
I want to just share a little bit with you. This is what's interesting. If you look at, some of you have some marginal notes and little descriptions in your Bible, and those are so important. Because I went to do some research on this, and it says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I'm going to ask you again, is Jesus putting us back under the law, having just delivered us from the law? No, he's not. He's, that's why that part where it says, in the original Greek, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Watch this. This is how important it is now. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, I got a hold of this when I was about 18, 19 years old. Before that, I wasn't so good. But when I was about 18 or 19 years old, I realized that I don't have to be obedient to my parents. I can be obedient to my parents because I love... Oh, follow me for a second. Don't get caught up on the first part. It's not... (laughs) Sometimes it's here and... This is not coming in. Let me, let, me, let me start over. Can we just, just erase that? Let's go back. Like, what? I was like, wait, okay. I was going somewhere. You should have just went with me. Okay, let me start over. When I was 18, I began to get a hold of this, and I realized that true obedience comes from love. That's what I'm trying to say. I could be forced to be obedient to my parents, but that's not real obedience, is it? No. It's love that compels me to obey. It's love that births the desire in me to want to obey. And I believe that that's why that phrase is so important, that conditional phrase, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, loving me will be a natural byproduct, keeping my commandments will be a natural byproduct of your love for me. It'll be a natural outflow of your love for me. It's not something you have to try to do. It's not something you have to strive at. You just focus on loving me and you'll keep my commandments. You just focus on loving me and you'll walk in the spirit. You see, that's why it's so important to catch that part. You will keep my commandments. And if we don't get it there, he firms it up over here in verse 23. Jesus answered and said to them, verse 23, same chapter. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come in him and make our home with him. Right there. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. I like to say it to you like this. Like my wife and I, we love each other. We could just... Submit to each other because we had to, because we're husband and wife. We choose to submit to each other in love. We choose to submit to each other because I submit to her because I love her. She submits to me because she loves me. If it's forced, it's not real. The same thing is true with our heavenly relationship. If it's forced, it's not real. If we submit to him in love, a natural byproduct of that will be keeping his commandments. And so we don't have to put ourselves back under the law. We can walk, as we're about to discover, in the newness of the Spirit. Back to Romans, where we first started. I'm walking you all over the New Testament, because we're having some fun tonight. Romans chapter 8, please. Actually, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 6. Romans chapter 7, verse 6 confirms right here, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died. This is so powerful here. Having died to what we were held by. Just let that sink in for a minute. We have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Man, it's a beautiful thing 
there is a freedom that we have to serve and to love God in the newness of the spirit that we are not under this old letter of the law. And I want to encourage you, those of you who have been Christians for a long time, or those of you who are raising young children like I'm raising, we, we need to be cautious and we need to think about, are we putting ourselves back under the law? In the way that we live, in the way that we conduct ourselves? Now listen, the scripture tells us, God clearly tells us, be holy for I'm holy. But we don't have to go back under the law because we've been delivered from that. That doesn't mean that we get to go off and be wacky and do whatever we want. But we're going to naturally walk in the newness of the spirit if we set our heart on him. So I just constantly keep that before myself. Am I putting myself back under the law? Am I putting my children under the law and teaching them that they're under the law? Or am I training them up and showing them that Christ fulfilled the law in them? If you've been a Christian for a long time, it's very easy to settle in after a while and start putting yourself back under the law. God wants to revive your spirit tonight. He wants to remind you that he has delivered you from the law. And you now have the power to walk in the spirit. Now here's the best part, well one of the best parts. Let's quickly walk through a review. Romans 5, Jesus paid our debt and was our substitute. Romans 6, the power of sin is broken in our life. Romans 7, we're delivered from the law. God's righteous holy standard. Now because we're delivered from the law... Follow me back over to Galatians chapter 3. This is going to hopefully make you jump out of your seats if you catch this. We're going to go back to Galatians chapter 3. So we're just going to read from verse 10 on. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written. But... No one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet, the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from uh, from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We just read a whole bunch of stuff there. We need to slow down and take a look at. Verse 13. Not only is the power of law of the of the law is are not only are you delivered from the, the righteous requirement of the law, but now the curse which has come upon mankind as a result of not being able to keep the law, you are now delivered from that curse and everything that comes with that. Well, what's the curse? If you really want to know, go back to Deuteronomy 28 and begin to read the blessing and the curse. And you can thank God that you have been delivered and redeemed from the curse of the law. That's where sickness comes into play. That's where poverty comes into play. That's where lack comes into play. We're we're delivered and we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And we no longer have to be cursed. Some of us as Christians are walking around and we're still driving around. We're still seeing ourselves in the clunker because of that old curse that used to be over us. We got to let that go. We got to realize we've been redeemed tonight. God wants you to know tonight. He wants to pierce your heart and touch your heart and let you know that you've been redeemed from that curse. That curse that was weighing on you. That thing that was weighing on you, trying to destroy you. The very now, right now, that thing that is trying to oppress you, you have been redeemed from that. We have been redeemed. 
Now, the next part about this that's really great is in verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Now, let's not get it twisted. The blessing of Abraham is not just stuff. Let's talk about it right here. The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. God told the children of Israel, I will be your God and you will be my people. The blessing of Abraham is is that he has now grafted us in, the Gentile, the people who weren't originally his children. The blessing of Abraham is that he has taken the Gentile, a wicked people who turned their heart from him, and he has grafted us into his children, his group, his family. He has grafted us. He has adopted us into his family. And all the blessings flow from that because he's God. He owns everything. He has everything. So it's not just the things. It's that we have been crafted in, and that makes you a son. Ladies, it's not that I'm leaving you out, but watch this now. That makes you an heir. It was the son that was the heir. So he has made us sons, and we are the heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Seated in heavenly places, we are joint heirs. You and me. Redeemed from the curse of the law. Colossians 1.13 says he has translated us. He has rescued us, the New International Version says, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. More than anything tonight, this whole series that we've been on in the youth group, this whole series... Bringing to a small conclusion tonight in Romans 7. More than anything, God wants you to know how cherished you really are. He wants you to know how loved you really are. When you read through Romans 5, Romans 5 says that while we were God's enemies, while we were wicked, He sent Christ to die for us. God loves you so much right where you are tonight. And he cared for you that much that even though many, I don't know if anyone in this room is, but I'm not Jewish. I'm not of Hebrew descent. And God's love is so great that he wouldn't just keep his love for only his children, the Hebrew people. But he sent Jesus for the Jew first and then for the Gentile and then for the Greek, which is us. The people who are not necessarily a part of his original people. He sent Jesus for you and for me. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that's been deposited in our hearts. I pray for every individual in this room right now, young and old. I pray, Lord, that that word would just begin to seep in, even to my heart. That we would receive the things that you have deposited in us tonight, Lord. That we would begin to uh, uh, meditate on the things that you have deposited in us tonight, Father. Lord, we thank you first and foremost that Jesus was our substitute and paid our debt. We thank you that because he paid our debt, the power of sin is broken in our lives. But Lord, I know that there are some in this room right now, whether Christian or not, that are struggling with some sin, struggling with some hidden secret sin, praying, praying, yearning, longing for the power of that sin to be broken in their lives. 
Father, I remember those awesome days when you broke those chains off of me. You broke all of the power of sin off of me. And I'm so grateful for it. And my heart's desire is your heart's desire tonight that you would break the chains that ensnare your people, oh God. I pray right now for those who are bound up in sin and can't see a way out in addiction. Lord, I thank you that the word that we have read tonight, by the word and by the spirit, that you would begin to penetrate their heart. That they would see that there's a way to be redeemed from that sin and from that addiction. Father, we thank you also that you have redeemed us from the curse because you fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law through Christ in us. Thank you that when you look at us as Christians, you see your son, Jesus. And so we're clothed in your righteousness tonight. I thank you for that in Jesus' name.